Hey, my name is Jay. I'm the next gen pastor. For those of you that went to Bellevue when you were in middle school, I was probably your middle school pastor. Uh, for those of you who have just started coming since you're in high school, uh, next gen pastor is just a fancy word that I get to hang out with cool people uh, like you guys and uh, make sure things like this happen and get to work with your awesome high school team to make sure we get to do camp when we're not in the middle of a global pandemic and all that other kind of good stuff. Uh, and every once in a while, Steve will allow me to come up here and to share a word with you, and I'm excited to do that tonight. Catherine kind of gave a little bit of introduction as she was reading your minds. Now, if you want to know how she did that, she'll be glad to tell you afterwards. Um, I realize all of you are really cool, and you're like, no, I wasn't thinking of an elephant at all. Um, but that's a fun family trick you can play on your family, so ask Catherine afterwards. Um, but I wanted to do that or to kind of set that tone thinking about what it would be like uh, if people could really read our minds. For a lot of us, that would be a very scary thing. If I were in your shoes, if I were sitting in that chair and my name popped up on the screen and it started writing out all of my thoughts, right now that would probably be something like, I'm hungry. I wonder what's left over at home that I can eat. I wonder if there's still any ice cream in their freezer. Oh, I've got to pay attention. I need to pay attention, right? And you're going to fight, and then you're going to go, well, I, I wonder if he's going to be funny. I wonder how long he's going to talk. Are we going to have time? And you, immediately your mind runs again, right? Maybe we even have that thought of going, does he really believe what he's saying? Or is he just doing this because he's a pastor, and this is what he gets paid to do? You know, I bet if he had my life, he wouldn't be standing up there talking like this. You know, if he knew what I had gone through, it would be different. He wouldn't talk that way. Here's the deal. This is what I've learned. Our minds are a very both awesome but dangerous thing. And if we don't learn how to take our thoughts captive, if we don't learn how to uh, control our thoughts and not let our thoughts control us, it can be a very scary thing. And for most of us in this room that are Christians, we understand that it's an important thing to watch our thoughts. We've read the scripture that it says, think on whatever is noble, whatever is pure. We know we shouldn't think bad things about people. We know we shouldn't have sinful thoughts. And so there's this battle that goes on, right? For others in this room, maybe for those of you who are not Christians, maybe you're going, why, why does it really matter? What my thoughts are, as long as I do the right thing, behavior modification, as long as I don't get in trouble. How is it really hurting anybody? And I want to stop right there because I think it's important for us to, to, uh, uh, to recognize that dividing line. For those of you who are not Christians, here's the question I would ask you. Your thoughts do have great impact on you and others. And so if you're not a believer in Christ, if you don't believe your thoughts are important, then I would ask you, what do you believe is important? Where do you believe it all started? Where do you believe it all ends? For me, I went through a crisis of faith when I was in college, and I really struggled through that. And it came to the point of where, where did this all start in creation, and what happens when it's over? And I began to look at those things, and I began to read the Word and see what it taught me, and it began to give purpose and meaning to what I see. And so now, all, this thing, all of a sudden, it wasn't just about the things I see, but about understanding things that are bigger than me. And if you've never come to that point in your life where you've repented of your sins, where you said, you know what, I have messed up. I do believe that Jesus Christ died for me and I receive him as my payment for my sins against a holy God. 
If you've not ever done that, I would encourage you to talk to me at the end. I would love to talk to you. And if our high school team would love to talk to you, there's probably a lot of high school students around you that would love to talk to you. But tonight, I want to talk to the rest of you. That doesn't mean if you're not a Christian, you can tune out. If you're not a Christian, you're here for some reason. All right, it may be to see that girl or guy that you wanted to see, but you're sitting in that chair. And so you're here checking us out. So I encourage you to stay engaged. But for those of you, the rest of you who are Christians, I'm talking to you. Because we're going to be looking at Philippians. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is a guy that lived a long time ago that knew a whole lot of stuff. And he would write these letters to different churches, to different groups of people. All right, and he wrote this letter to the people at the church at Philippi. It's a city. He wrote this letter. It'd be like in Memphis, somebody writes a letter to us at Bellevue. And so he's writing this letter. And in Philippians chapter 2, this is what he writes. I'm going to read the first 11 verses because I, I want you to really grab the whole of this. And then we're going to really zero in on one verse. One verse. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. In other words, what he was saying, stop here. He was basically saying, hey, if we have any connection at all, I need you to join with me in doing this. And in verse 3, it says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of us look not only to our interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I said that backwards. Name of every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want us to focus on verse 5. I want us to look at verse 5. I want you to look at verse 5. It's kind of the dividing point between these two things that I want us to focus on tonight. Okay? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's saying, have this mind. So let's look. What is this mind? The first point, the command of humility. The command of humility. Look at verses 3 and 4. These are huge. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of us look not only to, his, to our interests, but to the interest of others. That sounds like something our world could use right now, doesn't it? Think about that. What would that begin to look like if you lived that out in your life? Don't think about the world in your life, what would it begin to look like around you when you start to put other knee, others' needs ahead of your own? When you start to see other people as more significant than you? When you start to think the things that you are interested in is more important than what I'm interested in? What is best for you is better than me? 
What does that look like? I'll be honest with y'all, humility is something I struggle with. I'm a prideful person. I really do. I mean, it's my world, right? And everybody else is kind of revolving around me. And so this is partly why God has got me up here teaching this, because I struggle with this. But we know it when we see it in others, right? I I have a friend, Rob Jerkins. Many of you know Rob. Uh, Bethany, his wife, is here tonight. Rob is one of those guys that when I spend time with him, I go, that's what I want it to look like. Rob is a guy, when you spend time with him, you can tell he really cares. Like he's asking a question and he wants to know. Like he'll, he'll come back and say, hey, how did that go? Hey, I was praying for you on this. What's going on? Sometimes even after I've forgotten about it, right? We know those people in our lives and it changes us. It makes us say, you know what? I need to care about people that way. I need to be concerned about other people. Here's the deal. You can teach yourself how to do this. You say, Jay, I can't do that. I can't think about that. You can. When somebody asks you to pray for them, what do you do? Okay, I'll do that. I'll remember amongst the 97,000 million other thoughts I have that come in my head, right? No, most of us will forget. So you say, you know what? When somebody asks me to pray for them, I write it down. I pick up my phone. I have a list. I write it down. And then that reminds me to pray for them. I schedule reminders. Schedule reminders throughout the day to pray for certain people or to do certain things. Set routines. You say, you want to control your mind. I want every morning when I wake up to think this thought, then every morning wake up and say that verse that reminds you of that thought. I remember I saw Psalm 139 a while back, and every morning I wake up and I, I say that whole entire psalm because I want to be reminded that God is bigger than me. And so I've set a routine in place, set those routines in place. Because here's the deal. James 1 tells us that each person when they are, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Each person, listen to this, their own evil desire. Inside their evil desire, they're dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Your thoughts will lead you to actions. You want to control your actions, we've got to go back and we've got to control our mind. If we want to act different, we've got to think different. There's some verses here, I'm just going to throw them on the screen. I think they may even be on your paper uh, for you to go through and talk about our mind. Romans 12, 2, Ephesians 4, 23, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Colossians 3, 10. I think they're on your paper, but write those down. Those are great ones for you to go back and look at. What does the Bible tell me about my mind and how my mind should be a big deal? You say, Jay, I can't control though. It's so hard. There's two things, two pointers I would give you uh, on the command of humility and controlling our mind and thinking through, humbling ourselves. First of all, control what comes into your mind. Right? Wow, Jay, you're so smart. Right? If I don't want bad thoughts, I shouldn't let bad things come in. Right? That's pretty self-explanatory and we all know that, but we struggle with that. I want to show you a picture. And what I want you to do is looking at that picture of these nice, furry little kittens, I want you to stop thinking about cats. Don't think about cats. Don't think about their, how they meow and they're cute and they're cut. Stop thinking about it. So t- just completely wipe cats out of your mind. How many of you have done that? Yeah, like four. Like, oh, I've not thinking of cats at all, right? No, of course you're thinking of cats because we're staring at them and I'm talking about them. 
It's that simple. If you don't want to think prideful thoughts, if you don't want to think you're better than yourselves, then get those thoughts out and stop looking at things that would cause you to be prideful. Stop judging other people. Stop looking and comparing yourself to other people. Whatever it is that leads you to think you're better than somebody else, you've got to learn how to get those things out. I can remember when I was in high school, um, I probably was a freshman or sophomore. I don't think I was driving yet. But all the cool kids, uh, it was around fall, they would go to the haunted farm on the weekends. Don't raise your hand if you've been to a haunted farm, right? This is being recorded and live streamed and your parents will see, all right? So, because you shouldn't go to a haunted farm and I'll tell you why. Um, but I thought that's what I need to do because that's where all the cool kids did. But here's the deal. I don't really like to be scared. Like, I'm not like, I'll punch you in the face and break your legs. Kind of, I hate to be scared, but like, I'm not your friend anymore. I don't like to be scared, right? And so I thought though, but that's what everybody does. I'll go to the haunted farm. And so I went to the haunted farm. I'll tell you this, it's on a farm and it's haunted. That means it's scary, which means they're going to do stupid stuff to scare you. I still to this day can close my eyes, think about the dark and envision being scared on that stupid haunted farm. Everything in me wishes I could go back. And I could not go to that haunted farm. It's the same deal with us, guys. We will convince ourselves in our minds, well, I have to do this because everybody else is doing it. I've got, I don't want to be weird, so I need to go along with the crowd. It's okay for me to hold on to this thought. I'll never act on it. And God is saying, look, that thought is such a big deal. We've got to be careful how it gets in our mind. The second thing, what do you do when it gets there? I love my pastor and his wife and both of them have, I've heard both of them talk about thoughts. Miss Donna says you've got five seconds to take, take a thought captive or it will take you captive. Brother Steve says you've got to know before that thought ever enters your mind, what are you going to do with that? If the command is for us to be humble, we have to change our mindset to literally realize we should be humble. That when I look at somebody and I think I'm better than them, I should go immediately, no, I'm no better than them. When this person messes up and I immediately want to write them off and say, I'll never forgive them, say, no, Jesus Christ forgave me. I can forgive them. When I encounter somebody, I walk into a room and I see a person by themselves and I want to go hang with my friends. I should say, you know what? It's not about what is best for me, but it's about what's best for somebody else. And so I'm going to go sit with that person. You know what? I've got some money in my pocket and somebody needs a, some food. It's not about me. I should give to this person. I should whatever, fill in the blank. I don't know. But right now in your mind, you're going, yeah, there are times where I choose what is best for me over somebody else. And you've got to decide right now, what am I going to do with that? Because here's the deal. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. And that's scary. Because I want to fake it. I don't want you to know what I think all the time. Because I'm a sinful person too. But if I don't want that to come out in thoughts into action, I've got to continue to remember God sees my heart. And I've got to continue to remember it's not just my actions, but it's God changing my heart. And so I've got to continue to humble myself. Have this mind among yourselves, this mind that says that I'm going to do nothing of robbery or conceit, but humility, consider others more significant than myself, that I'm not going to look just to my interests, but to others. And you say, Jay, this is so hard. It is. This is why I'm preaching this, because I've been hung up on this verse for so long. 
But here's the second part to this. Have this mind among yourselves. The second thing, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. This is one of the cool things about memorizing blocks of Scripture. Because when I read this, um, I would uh, read it, and I kind of memorized it and moved on. And I just always assumed that this verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, when I become a Christian, I now think this way. It's mine in Christ Jesus, right? We would assume that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in new Christ, everyone's in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So now I'm a new creation. I'm now humble. I'm a Christian. I'm humble. I think of others better than I did before. Let's be honest. That's a lie. How many of you, after you were a Christian, still had thoughts that you wish you didn't have? Exactly, right? We still know those thoughts come in. And so what are we supposed to do with that? Well, I look at this and it says, if you look at the original Greek, which is yours in Christ Jesus, there's no verb. What it's saying is, it's saying, have this mind among yourselves, which in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ Jesus had this mind. In other words, if you want this mind, look at Christ. If you want a mind that is humble, you want a mind that thinks of others, then you've got to look at Christ. It is a process of watching and learning. In the old days, uh, when Jesus was on the earth and he would walk the earth, you know, there was uh, rabbis and other teachers that would go around and they would teach their doctrine, their set of beliefs. And there was a common phrase that you would get the dust of your rabbi on you. Okay, what that means is in the old days, they would walk around on dirt roads. You got sandals, you got dust flying up because it's dry. And so the rabbi would walk and all the people that were learning from him are where? Behind him. Thank you. There's one person paying attention, right? They're behind him. And so what's going to happen is the dust, does the dust kick up and go in front of you or behind you? Okay, that person fell asleep. Behind you, all right? It kicks up and it goes behind you. And so if you're following this rabbi, after following him all day, you would have this dust all over you. And people would know that you are following a rabbi. In the same way, let's think about that. What do people look at us, what are they seeing on us? When people listen to us and the way we talk, what do they hear us say? I'm the king of sarcasm. I've got to give up that title, right? I need to not be so sarcastic because it's not always uplifting. I think it's funny and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not and I've got to be careful with that. Some of you think, oh, well, it's, you know, foul language or it's bad jokes or it's whatever. And you think, oh, it doesn't hurt. It's not that big a deal. It does matter because people are looking at that and they're going, oh, so You think being funny is more important than being sincere or being kind. You think saying words that are not appropriate for everybody because people look at you and think you're cool is better. What are people looking at you? What are they seeing? It's this idea of what are you focusing on? I think about social media, and I'm not against social media, but sometimes we focus so much on these things we see, we begin to change the way we think, and that comes out in the way we act, and other people look at that and see, oh, So that's what you're about. It's more about looking this way or acting this way than it is about you being humble and caring about others. You see, what we've got to do is we've got to read about Jesus. We've got to think about Jesus. We've got to study how did Jesus respond to people. 
Jesus had anger. It was righteous anger. Jesus was not passive. He was strong. Jesus spoke his mind. Jesus cared for others. And we learn about him. And eventually it begins to change the way we think about other people. Look in your Bible. Read verse 6. This is talking about Jesus. Look at what he does. It says, Who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. If you want to humble yourself... If Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider be equal with God, why would you think you should be equal with God? Hey, God, I can change the rules. Hey, God, I can do what's better for me. If we're focusing on Christ, we would learn real quickly that's not the case. Cased. <laughs> uh, a case. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Think about that. He came from heaven, made himself nothing to serve others. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to give up this sweet thing I've got to be able to serve you. I, I don't want to give up whatever it is that you're holding so tightly to, to serve somebody else. We look and we begin to focus on Jesus. We see that he was found in human form and he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh God, I don't want to be obedient to that. That may, uh, that may hurt. God, I can't be obedient to that when you ask the first time because that's just too tough. I had to make some hard decisions over the last couple of years for some things. And I was talking to Sawyer not long ago, my youngest. And I said, Sawyer, what you've got to remember is that when you're faced with doing the hard thing, always do the right thing. And I don't know if that's tweetable or if y'all even use Twitter anymore. But the idea is, right? That when you have to do something and it's really hard, if it's the right thing, it doesn't matter. You still do it. He says, I'm going to be obedient to God even to the point of death. Guys, he was in the garden. He prayed so hard that literally the capillaries in, under his skin were bursting and blood was getting mixed in with the sweat and he was sweating drops of blood. He was struggling so hard, but he still was obedient even to the death on a cross. But here's the part I want you to, to grab hold of. We have to stop looking at everything that we just see. You say, explain. Let me explain it to you. We are all about the here and the now. Jay, I can't do that because that doesn't benefit me. Jay, I can't do that because I don't see how that's going to reward me. Jay, I can't do that because that may hurt my popularity. Jay, that may hurt me and I may get punished if I tell the truth. See, Jesus Christ says that he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. But look at the reward. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to glory of God the Father. How many of you have ever tried to share the gospel or talk about your faith? And when you finished the conversation thought, I just completely messed that up. <laughs> right? Um, as a student pastor, many times you can stand up and you can preach. And I can walk off the stage and go, oh my goodness, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached. That wasn't at all what I thought Jesus had been teaching me. I, I just messed it up. 
I can, I can go and ask students next week, hey, do y'all remember what we talked about last week? And every one of you would go, God, right? I've studied all week and you don't even remember a week later, right? I don't remember a week later. I don't even remember what I preach sometimes a week later. So I understand that. But we get caught up in that idea that everything we do, we expect immediate gratification. Everything we do, there's supposed to be an immediate reward. I should sit down and read my Bible in the morning. I think, Emily, I think it was you maybe last week you were talking about that. I want to sit down and read my, my Bible and get this one verse that all day I have a smile on my face quoting this verse as I walk through the lilies of the day, right? But sometimes that's not the way it is. Sometimes we read about things that are hard. We read about humbling ourselves and it, it struggle all day long, holding on to that verse. I was a student pastor at the church I was previously at. So you're looking at 15 years ago. A situation like this, I'm preaching, no big deal. Week after week after week, um, we had opened up the gym in the area where we were, and we were inviting different guys to come in and play basketball and then stay for church. And I can remember the church kind of didn't like that. They were like, no, we shouldn't just invite people to play basketball. They should come just for church. And it, church was there. It's a great church. There was nothing bad about them. They just, it was different. It was different. And so, you know, we go on week after week after week. I end up leaving and coming here as the middle school pastor. Everything was great. Well, about a year ago, I was in one of my aisles at, on Bellevue on a Sunday morning, and a guy walks down. And he goes, hey, Jay, you probably don't remember me. My name's Brandon. I was in your student ministry in Dyersburg. It's like, oh, Brandon, yeah. So, you know, we took him to the life room. He, was, he got saved. So fast forward probably two months ago, he calls me. Hey, Jay, I'm getting married. Would you perform the wedding? I said, sure, let's sit down and talk. He had been through counseling. I was going to do the wedding. And I, he was telling me a story. He said, Jay, I can remember sitting when I was in high school and listening to your sermon week after week and week. He said, but I never made a decision to follow Christ. He said, I can remember things you would say, but I never made, I just, I didn't want to believe it. But it was years later. He said, I was, I moved to Memphis and I remember Brother Steve was from Dyerberg. So I went to that church and he said, I accepted Christ and I walked down and you're there. And I was able to perform his wedding for a student 15 years before. Guys, I never saw the reward from something I did 15 years ago until just a couple of months ago. Guys, we've got to look at Christ and focus on Christ and notice that the reward sometimes we may never see. But if it's the right thing to do, we should do it anyway. I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to close out with just a couple of songs. And I want to give you three takeaways real quick. And for you to be thinking about as you kind of close up this in your mind, because I always think it's important anytime we have a message that we respond in some way to God. All right, you don't have to account to me when you come up here. You don't have to uh, uh, account to me after this is over, but you are going to have to account to God. And so three things. First of all, look at Jesus. We've got to look at Jesus. We've got to study. You've got to read the Bible. It's not just a thing I say. It's what I do and what I believe and what I say will change your life. You've got to look at Jesus. It's a big deal. Second thing, you've got to have a plan for bad thoughts. Here's the deal. You are going to have bad thoughts. If you don't have a plan, hey, when this thought comes into my mind, I quote this verse. Hey, when this thought comes into my mind, I sing this song. Hey, when this thought comes into my mind, I immediately turn my eyes. When this thought comes into my mind, I immediately call this person. Or I immediately get up and move. Whatever it may be, have that plan because you will have bad thoughts. And the last thing is you've got to see others as you would want Christ to see you. See others 
as you would want Christ to see you. Students, I honestly believe when you begin to grab hold of what it truly looks like to see others the way that Christ sees you, I don't know what impact you'll have to the world, but the world around you will be changed. The world around you will be different. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you so much for your word that God, thousands of years later, is still a big deal. That thousands of years later, a letter, God, that one of your servants wrote to a church thousands of miles away, God speaks to us tonight in a way that I know in my heart, God, I've been challenged to love you more deeply. God, to follow you more closely. And so God, I pray that for these students. God, I know it is hard to be able to pursue you in a world, God, where very few are pursuing you. But God, I pray that you will put courage in the hearts of these students, that it is worth it. That if they will never see the benefit, that God, one day they will. That God, one day they will know that God, they were obedient to you and that was all that mattered. And so God, as we close tonight, as we sing this song, God, I pray that you would be glorified, God, not in our actions of singing and standing to praise, but God, in our hearts. Because God, we know that man looks at the outward appearance, but God, you look at the heart. So God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in our hearts tonight. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.